There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition. And it lies in the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is the area which we call the Twilight Zone. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. Don't mean you have to like it. There is nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. Let her get away, mommy. Welcome to another edition of Horrifying My Friends. I'm horror host Trav. Not joining me today is producer Kate. That's right, the theme queen herself is not here today, but she will be returning to the proper HMF editions. This is kind of a little bonus episode. Um, Every new year, we get hit with a Twilight Zone marathon starting um, this year's marathon starting at 2 a.m. on December 31st and ending on January 2nd at 5 a.m. Every single year after the holidays, I always get in this mood to uh, watch Twilight Zone, to um, talk about Twilight Zone and kind of uh, reminisce and kind of revisit some of my favorite episodes of this classic classic series so the first part of this episode is going to be me talking twilight zone uh, some of my favorite episodes and um, i want you to send me some of your favorite episodes on this posting Um, if you're hearing this this will be thursday um, right before this marathon is set to begin so i wanted to get one of these bonus episodes out and kind of Uh, remind everyone that this fantastic fantastic marathon on sci-fi channel happens every year and it's freaking amazing to be able to journey to the twilight zone every year so that's going to be the beginning of the podcast and then uh, a little bit later on i'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about some of my favorite uh snowbound horrors my favorite snowy horror winter horror um you don't always think about uh, horror when it comes to winter, but there's some about that first snowfall when there's no one else around and it's quiet and it's just all overbearing the snow and it's just uh, you're trapped and uh, it, a lot of isolation, a lot of like uh, I'm sure uh, like John Carpenter's The Thing comes to mind. You want to leave, but you can't because the fucking snow. Okay, so. Before I get there, though, I'm going to give you some of my favorite reads, uh, some of my favorite uh, horror movies, um, all set in the snow, and uh, some of the books that I like to revisit uh, during during these winter months when we're all buried under feet of snow. Okay, so first, um, first we're going to talk about the Twilight Zone. So the Twilight Zone. And again, this is all kicking off to the Twilight Zone Marathon starting at 2 a.m. on December 31st and ending on January 2nd at 5 a.m. on Sci-Fi Channel. Um, My history with the series. uh, This series always makes me think of my mom and my parents, but mostly my mom. Um, We didn't have... A, uh, we didn't have cable like growing... Like getting into my teenage years. um, My... My... uh, like 12, 13, you know, uh, th- those age, even younger almost, we didn't have, uh, like, cable where we lived. So we would watch, like, a lot of Jay Leno, a lot of David Letterman, like, you know, just a lot of the, like, ABCs, NBCs. Um, and a lot of the times they would air Twilight Zone, at least where we were. Um, a lot of times they would air Twilight Zone and some of those classic TV shows like uh, Mama's Family and, you know, uh, just like Golden Girls, a bunch of those like classic kind of uh, 60s, 70s, 80s shows. 
and um, the Twilight Zone was always one that my mother shared with me and um, shared with my brother, uh, Fatal Follower himself. Um, but this series always there's horror, there's sci-fi, um, there's life lessons, there's social commentary. It does what the very best of sci-fi and horror does, which is make uh, make like commentary about real life issues through the lens of sci-fi or horror stories or, you know, just mystery stories. Um, and most of Twilight Zone, I would say, is, you know, uh, like like sci-fi slash horror. Like, I would consider a lot... Some of these episodes are very horror. Um, and they may, that might be a hot top or a, like a hot opinion um, or a controversial opinion for some of you whoreheads heads out there, but do not diss the twilight zone because it influenced so much, so much that we would get later on. Uh, the classic TV show of course ran from 1959 to 1964 created by the great, the, the master Rod Serling. Um, the success, the success, success, the success of the series led to a feature film in 83. Of course, the, the, the movie that where so much went wrong, uh, including the, the tragic, tragic Vic Morrow, um, uh, death, um, during a sequence, um, it led to the film, led to a radio series, uh, led to comics. Uh, some of the comics I recommend by J. Mac- Michael Straczynski are awesome, awesome uh, journeys into the Twilight Zone. Uh, theme park attractions um, and a lot of other like books like Returning to the Twilight Zone. Rod Serling kind of um, released books of some of his original tales for the show. Um, and a second series, of course, um, which aired from 85 to 89, one that I actually still like quite a bit. It has a lot of Harlan Ellison, a lot of um, uh, George R. R. Martin, I think, worked on that series. Uh, Michael J. Michael Straczynski wrote, worked on that series. Um, a lot of fantastic writers of that next wave in the 80s. Um, and then a third series on UPN from 02 to 03. And then, of course, this fourth series that came out recently from uh, Jordan Peele uh, from 2019 to t- uh, 2020. Um, Serling wrote and adapted nearly two thirds of the series' total episodes. Um, but other, like it also did, like he would also take stories that were well known or get authors that were incredibly well known, like uh, Charles Beaumont, uh, Ray Bradbury, um, George Clayton Johnson, Richard Matheson, Rig- uh, Reginald Rose. Uh, many episodes also. Uh, would be like adaptations of like uh, stories from writers such as like Ambrose Pierce, um, John Collier, you know, and so on. Uh, Richard Matheson, like I said, the the king. Um, but it was like I said, it was about like the Twilight Zone writers and Rod Serling used these stories as ways to comment on the world and how they what was currently going on and what had went on. Um, as we're going to talk about in some of these episodes that I chose, uh, such as the monsters on duo on Maple street, um, powerful, powerful stuff. Um, so, but yeah, twilight zone always think makes me think of my mom and we share that love, uh, to this day, to this day, we'll be going out to eat like, um, to mug and bun or, you know, one of the classic indie locations around here. Uh, I'm in Annapolis, uh, wherever you're listening. Hello. Um, but we'll go out and we'll, it's, it's without a doubt, one of these episodes will come up or a theme of these episodes will come up. Eye of the beholder, you know, uh, where she's, uh, not on my list, but I love that episode, um, where, you know, she looks normal. She's a beautiful woman and everyone around her has like pig noses and stuff. No matter where we are or where we go, that this series um, remains special to us and kind of makes me think of my relationship with my mom, with my mom. Um, and for that reason, it's so special to me. Uh, many, many night we, we would order pizza and just marathon these bad boys. And like I said, later on in life, um, I'm 31. I'm not, you know, uh, middle-aged, at least I hope not. Um, 
you kind of revisit each of these episodes and get a, uh, a different appreciation for them because there's a big difference between watching them as a 12-year-old and watching them as a 31-year-old. You're already starting to see some of these themes, and it's, um, it's very amazing. Um, and I'll, I'll probably mention this a couple times while I'm talking about each episode. It's bizarre to me uh, how relevant the Twilight Zone has um, remained. Uh, it's even more relevant to this day than it probably was in the 60s. Um, a lot of these episodes, very, very relevant, very, very powerful, um, inspired, you know, uh, like if you like Black Mirror, then you need to go check out Twilight Zone. I remember working with a kid, uh, uh, Jack, and he has been on this podcast a couple times, but he loves, loved, loved, loved Black Mirror. And I was like, just like, dude, I beg you to watch Twilight Zone because you will love it. You know, just all those lessons, all those like, um, you know, those stories just, uh, delivering messages and some of them just being legitimately terrifying. Let's let's not leave that out. But anyway, so the first episode that I wanted to um, wanted to put a focus on is the perchance perchance to dream. Excuse me, uh, from a story written by the great Charles Beaumont. Um, this is from the first season, I believe. Uh, later on, I'll, I'll do like seasons and episodes. Uh, for some reason, these first two don't have it though. Um, if you haven't seen it. I'm going to go ahead and spoil some of these because it is like a 60-year-old TV show or whatever. But uh, the synopsis, a fatigued man fights to stay awake as he explains to a psychiatrist that if he falls asleep, it will trigger a nightmare, which will cause his heart to fail. So this is one of those, um, one of my favorite kind of stories, and this will probably come up too, um, is stories where you don't really know what's going on. Um, and this guy is just complaining about not being able to sleep, complaining about not being able to sleep. And if he does go to sleep, uh, you know, of course he thinks he'll die. And the psychiatrist, of course, like we've all been there. We've, we've all been super, super tired and can't, just can't seem to get to sleep and, um, twist, uh, spoiler alert. What ends up happening is, you know, he does go to sleep and he does end up dying in his sleep. So it's like a premonition kind of thing. A very, very creepy episode, though. I remember um, I remember this one really, really stuck with me because of how creepy and kind of like the, the mood and the, um, the ambience that they were able to set up in this episode. Um, and again, these are only, you know, 20, 25 minutes a piece. But it's just like some of the uh, some of the mood and... Uh, creepiness that some of these are able to set up. So yeah, perchance a dream, I believe from the first season, but, um, next episode, a stop at Willoughby. And again, this, this isn't like my favorite, this isn't, or I should rephrase that. This isn't like what I think the best episodes are. These are like my favorite episodes. Now a couple of these will be on a lot of best of lists, but, um, the next one is a stop at Willoughby. Um, synopsis, tired of his miserable job and wife, a businessman starts dreaming on the train each night about an old idyllic town called Willoughby. Soon he has to know whether the town is real and fancies the thought of seeking refuge there. Um, this one hit, hit hard, man. The last time I watched it, uh, I'll be honest. Um, this is one that was a favorite from my childhood. Like my mom and I used to always talk about this one and we still do, um, uh, it's about a man that's stuck, a, stuck in this world where everything's moving fast and, you know, he can't just breathe. And, uh, that's how I feel a lot, you know, working, working retail, trying to keep my head afloat, like financial stuff, you know, all this stuff. Once you get to be an adult, all this stuff, you're just trying to tread water kind of. And, um, that's what this episode does a great job at uh, portraying is this guy's just trying to tread water and um, he gets on this train and has like this dream where he goes back, he, he gets off the stop and this town is called Willoughby and Willoughby is very slow, very, there's people fishing, people walking around. They're nice. You know, it's very, uh, it's not, necessarily the modern capitalistic world where everybody's running around with a briefcase and, you know, um, not just nodding at each other, you know, not saying hi, whatever. This is a very slowed down, like, okay, I'm enjoying myself. 
let's go for a walk. Like he gets off and there's kids playing catch. There's a kid fishing and stuff, which would be a horrific existence for me. You know, that idyllic, I'm like, no, I don't want to be there. Um, but this guy, he's like, why can't I stay there? Like, and, um, the whole episode, you're kind of, um, wondering what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And, uh, I believe that, and it's been, you know, years since I've seen these, but it's like, I believe that he ends up getting off and then you, you end up seeing that Willoughby is not the stop that he thought it was, but Willoughby funeral home or Willoughby funeral and sons or whatever, you know, whatever that last, uh, that last uh, little frame is where it shows you what Willoughby really is. And, um, basically it shows you that he died. Um, you know, this, this, uh, fast moving kind of, uh, like I said, uh, very capitalistic and move, 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 sell, sell, sell ended up getting to him. And he, uh, had a heart attack or whatever ended up happening to him. Um, powerful episode. Um, Again, you watch it nowadays, you probably will see the twist coming or whatever. But there's just there's a way that these are shot, black and white, very beautiful, um, very creepy, uh, very powerful. Um, five characters in search of an exit. This is kind of like a holiday themed kind of episode. Very uh, snow on the ground. Uh, season three, episode fourteen. An army major awakens in a small room with no idea of who he is or how he got there. Uh, he finds four other people in the same room and they all begin to question how they each arrive there and more importantly, how, how to escape. So this one was, uh, going along with the snow theme that'll come up later. This one is, uh, an episode of Twilight Zone that I would actually recommend under that section. But, um, it's about a bunch of characters in a room and they're all dressed weirdly and, uh, they're just trying to figure out what the hell, how the hell they got there and how the hell to get out. And, um, that's where you spend the entirety of the episode. And, uh, then in the end you find out that, you know, you, you've been living with like the toys in this like kind of basket or trash can or whatever, uh, spoiler alert, bitches. This is like toy story. Um, but yeah, five characters in search of an exit is about toys and they're wondering like how the hell they got there. They're meeting each other. Um, they're dressed weirdly. Now, some of you might, like I said, some of these plot twists and stuff, fifties and sixties television. So you might be able to pick up on the fact that something fucked up's going on. You're like, I'm watching twilight zone. There's going to be some kind of twist. Like I get it, but just sit and enjoy the episode for um, the fantastic and concise piece of 20 to 25 minutes of TV, of classic, classic TV. Um, But yeah, this one I've always loved. I've loved this one since I was a little kid, and that's mainly why it's on this list. It's just, it's an episode that I return to quite a bit. This one, and although it's not on my list, um, the Santa Claus one, what the hell? What the hell version is that? Uh, you're not losing my audio. The Night of the Meek. The Night of the Meek, yeah, that's the other one that um, I kind of lumped these two together because they're kind of snowy, kind of holiday-themed episodes. Um, next episode, Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up? Another wintry episode that I would uh, include under stuff that I would put on during these winter months. Um, following uh, Season 2, Episode 28, uh, following the frantic phone call, about a crashed spaceship, two policemen try and determine who among the passengers of a bus at a Snowden roadside diner is from another world. I think about this one every time I go to a diner. I don't know, you know, uh, wherever you're listening, I don't know if you have, like, uh, I read somewhere recently that, like, roadside diners and, like, uh, creepy kind of uh, dirty motels is kind of like an American thing, and I don't know if that's true or not, but, um, yeah, the diner, the diner is like classic, um, America and I fucking love it. I love, uh, I love all like, uh, you know, old diners, like off the side of the highway. Um, every time we travel, I love stopping at those, you know, just get like, uh, garbage food, like, to, you know, and by garbage, I mean like fattening, like terrible for you food, like gravy and toast and 
uh, spoiler alert, I'm incredibly obese, but, um, like I love the roadside diner and, uh, all these roadside kind of attractions, um, here when you're traveling across America or wherever, um, will the real Martian please stand up comes up all the time. When I visit these places like the Oasis out here in Plainfield, um, and basically this one is a bunch of people snowed in and they're trying to figure out who the alien is. And it conjures up the thing. It conjures up, you know, uh, the mist. It, it, uh, it makes you think of a lot of these stories where, and it's my, almost my favorite type of story. I, I would say that it's probably my favorite type of story of a bunch of people in one place and they're trying to figure out what's going on and they're just trying to survive the night. And, um, this is, uh, an awesome episode and it's also very fun because like how you find out who the, who the alien is or the Martian or whatever, it's, it's just a fun way of revealing, you know, who it is and stuff like that. But a very fun episode, um, a very, a very cool episode, a very wintry episode that I would definitely recommend. And it's one of my absolute favorites. Okay. So I mentioned it earlier. The monsters are due on Maple street, uh, season one, episode 22. Uh, synopsis on a pleasant day the residents of maple street feel something akin to a tremor and hear a loud noise steve brand thinks it's a meteorite though they didn't hear um they didn't hear you know the it's it's, as a creator i don't know uh when young tommy tells them the science fiction story he read about an alien invasion where they were first sent um among humans to live with them in disguise. Uh, so basically like this kid is like, I read this science fiction story where the aliens sent somebody to live with us and infiltrate us. And this starts like the paranoia and the finger pointing. And this is where I, um, say that twilight zone is just as powerful and just as relevant as it's ever been. And maybe even more so. Uh, you think about the time when this was made, you know, the 1960s, um, and what just happened, you know, 2016, 20 through 20, you know, 19 with the George Floyd stuff and all this, like, um, all this, like really protests and, you know, rightly so protests, um, and chaos and this, uh, mentality of the modern day America to, um, kind of just be quick to point to the other side and say, you're, you're the bad guy and we're against you and to not, um, and this, that's all the, what this episode is about. It's about blindly hating and about blindly, uh, just, you know, uh, blindly persecuting someone, you know, it's like, it, this is like the Salem witch trials. It's like what mass, uh, paranoia and, um, can do really. And, and it's America modern day in this little microcosm of this neighborhood. Uh, and they're trying to figure out, you know, who the alien is. And it's, like I said, it's, it's social commentary for 1960s, you know, racial inequality, the, you know, the racial riots of Martin Luther King in the 1960s and all the way up, unfortunately, you know, the, the, um, civil, you know, civil rights and all that stuff is still going on today. And it's, uh, it's kind of hard to, uh, think about how it's still at this place and, um, all the Breonna Taylor and, uh, George Floyd and all this stuff and, uh, how politically we're kind of getting, um, polarized, you know, just by which side of the aisle that we're on. And it's like, you're either with me or you're against me. And that's what this episode um, brilliantly, brilliantly, uh, portrays and shows like the, uh, like I said, social commentary through science fiction and horror. And, um, this episode is horrific and I think it should be, or this episode is not horrific, but it's, it's horrifying how quickly people can turn on each other. And, uh, I think this episode should be shown in classes, like, to be honest, because this episode, it does a great job of showing, um, just how, uh, far people will go if, um, they think that you're not with them or you're, uh, different than them. Um, but yeah, powerful, powerful episode. The monsters are due on Maple Street. Um, not one that I didn't discover until later on, you know, um, 
probably in my early 20s and uh, really blew me away, like, to be honest. Um, the next one that I have is a one from a little bit later on um, called The Masks. So this one I had never seen until recently. And uh, the synopsis, wealthy Jason Foster is dying and he invites his greedy heirs to a Mardi Gras party where they must wear the mask he specifically had made for them or else be cut off from their inheritance. So, inheritance, sorry. So what you have is um, basically a fun and... um, Basically, it's like a fun and I you got what you deserve kind of episode of Twilight Zone, right? So you have this like a incredibly rich guy, and he seems like kind of an asshole, but his kids are even more douchey. There's like a very pretty woman that's like super vain. There's a uh, a guy you know you know his sons only care about the money. They all only care about the money, and um, he has them wear these masks, um, and they're all like kind of. Uh, grotesque and he explains to them that he wants he wants the world to see their inner monsters or whatever and uh, this one like I said it's just a very fun episode of people getting what they deserve that uh, are really uh, going about things for the wrong reasons and uh, at the end of course you know they get these grotesque masks and they put them on they wear them he passes away um they, I, I believe they get the money, but the masks, of course, change their real faces. So their real faces are seen as the monsters that are on the masks. Like I said, it's just a very, very powerful, very, uh, very fun, and you get what you deserve kind of message. Uh, but that one's really, 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 really fun, and uh, one that I really loved, you know, uh, seeing it recently. Okay, so the next two are kind of a. Uh, I, I included these ones because they're kind of horror. Um, they're they're some of the some of the most horror episodes of Twilight Zone. Um, the first one is season five, episode six, "The Living Doll." Um, a frustrated father does battle with his stepdaughter's talking doll, whose vocabulary includes such phrases as "I hate you" and "I'm going to kill you." Uh, this one is fucking creepy man like if killer dolls are are your thing and you want to see like other stuff like if you love the chucky movies or the annabelle annabelle movies or anything like that this one is very very creepy because this guy's just trying to get rid of this doll and he just can't seem to there's something going on with this doll um very very creepy season five episode six uh living doll and then the next one is the after hours uh season one episode 34 this is another one that I caught like later on and um, it's about a lady who uh, Marsh Marshall White is looking for a gold thimble as a gift for her mother. Uh, she can't find it anywhere in the store and an elevator operator suggests she try the ninth floor. I know how that's going to go. Um, she arrives there to find it abandoned, but a sales clerk suddenly appears and has just what she is looking for. By the way, if you ever go shopping and someone appears and has exactly what you're looking for, even though it's incredibly difficult to find what you're looking for, do not take that, or do not make any deals with them. On the way back down to the main floor, she realizes the thimble she bought is scratched and goes to the complaints department, where she is told there is no ninth floor in the building. Dun-dun-dun! She is shocked, however, to see a mannequin that looks just like the woman who served her. A return to the absent floor reveals the explanation to her dilemma so in this one it's like uh mannequins creep me the fuck out like i said i work retail and uh we'll work like weird hours sometimes matter of fact when i'm recording this um to the morning after i'm recording this i go in at 2 45 a.m so when we're walking around at that hour you know say 3 30 Sometimes the mannequins scare the fuck out of you. Like, out of the corner of your eye or whatever, you'll see, like, this big hawking mannequin. For some reason, the mannequins are, like, they weigh, like, 220 now. You know, they're all buff and shit. But it's, like, sometimes you get really creeped out and in your own head about it walking uh, across a retail store and there's mannequins standing everywhere. Sometimes they do creep you out a little bit. You know, sometimes the mannequins do look a little too human uh <laughs> um and i was like 
the other day we got mannequins in and they actually had like faces with no features. And I was like, why the hell would they ever make a mannequin with like no features whatsoever? Like a head with no features, which is incredibly fucking scary. But yeah, the after hours is about basically these, the store making people like mannequins from what I remember. Like I said, I haven't seen this. This is one that I saw like in my twenties, uh, probably early twenties. I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember her getting kind of sucked into this store. And, uh, if you, if you go there, basically you stay there and that there's a lot of horror, you know, like tales from the crypt kind of stuff that uses those similar things, but, uh, very, very creepy. And the fact that people are becoming mannequins, Super creepy, man. But yeah, the after hours and the living doll, a very, very uh, horror uh, Twilight Zone episodes. Um, so the last episode I wanted to highlight, <clears throat> excuse me, the last episode I wanted to highlight is an absolute classic, um, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, uh, Season 5, Episode 3, starring the great... William Shatner, by the way. Um, I know you guys all know this one, but this was one that's incredibly special to me because uh, I remember watching it with my mom all the time and it being one of her favorite episodes. Um, a man newly recovered from a nervous breakdown becomes convinced that a monster only he sees is damaging the plane he's flying in. So when we went to Ireland a couple years back, uh, two kind of two pieces of media went through my head nonstop. The first was Final Destination, of course, where the plane blows up. Um, yeah, I know. I was paranoid the whole flight. And uh, the second was this episode from Season 5, Episode 3, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, where Shatner is like this nervous wreck dude. He's ordering drinks and shit. And every time he looks out the window, a monster is on the like on the wing, you know, tearing that shit up. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if they ever reveal what he's doing. And uh, it's just a paranoia episode of this guy. And it's written by Richard Matheson, of course, the great Richard Matheson. Um, it's a, it's a, just a paranoid episode of this guy trying to convince everyone that there really is a monster on the wing of the plane. And they all think that it's just because he's uh, had a nervous breakdown recently and, you know, maybe he's nervous, maybe he doesn't like flying. But then in the end, you find out that there really was something on the wing of the plane and uh, this guy wasn't just having a nervous breakdown or whatever. Again, a very Twilight Zone episode, um, a very uh, <laughs> a very fun episode. Uh, this show is just so brilliant, man. So those are the episodes that uh, we're 32 minutes into this into my Twilight Zone love fest. Uh, I, I hope you enjoyed, you know, um, me talking about the Twilight Zone or maybe, uh, I know you guys know a lot of these episodes are so, so classic. And, you know, there's so many more that I can mention, like, uh, you know, the, the one, um, the long distance call where she's uh, getting a call from, you know, uh, one of her ex fiancés and, uh, it, she tells him to stop calling and then she's bedridden after an accident or something. And, you know, all of a sudden there's nobody calling her and it's like, you got what you asked for, but now she's incredibly lonely and sad. And it's like, Oh my God, that's so heartbreaking. And then, uh, the episode where, uh, the guy, of course, um, uh, the great episode where, uh, the gentleman is the librarian, you know, he doesn't really get along with, uh, people, and, uh, all he does, all he like loves to do is read. And, uh, he goes down to the, uh, to the bank vault or something like that. And, uh, uh, the nuclear Holocaust happens. I believe it's called time enough at last or something like that. Um, by Bur with, uh, Burgess Meredith. Um, but he goes down into the cellar to read and take his lunch and stuff. And the nuclear Holocaust happens like the new, you know, they launch the nukes or whatever and everything is destroyed. And he's actually happy about it. Cause he's like, no more people, nobody to interrupt my reading. Sometimes I feel like this guy. Um, but then of course he drops his glasses <laughs> and it's kind of one of those like twilight zone, the twilight zone kicking the nuts is what I'm going to call it. <laughs> the twilight zone punch. 
And uh, but yeah, so many brilliant episodes of this show. Uh, it's impossible to list all the great ones. Um, what are some of your favorite episodes? Hit me, you know, in the comments. Tell me what uh, some of your favorite episodes are. And um, after this, uh, after this section, here in a couple minutes, um, actually, scratch that, Kate, delete that if you are listening. Um, I wanted to tell me some of your favorite episodes in the comments, and uh, I think it's time to switch over to some of my favorite snowy reads. Uh, snowy horror movies um, and snowy horror short stories. This uh, section won't be too too long uh, because the main thing was I wanted to get you know some Twilight Zone love out there. We had talked about doing a weekly Twilight Zone bonus episodes for the show. Um, uh, comment if you would like to see that. You know, it'd probably be like me and Rose, uh, my wife, my lovely lovely wife Rose. It'd probably be me and her uh, talking about. You know, just going through the series and talking about, you know, uh, episode by episode. But uh, I was like, man, I would really like to do that, though, because there's some episodes that I even I haven't seen. And I'm a huge Twilight Zone fan. But, um, yeah, this next section, I'm going to talk about some short stories um, and some books and, uh, you know, a couple movies that I love revisiting during this time of the year when snow is all over the ground and trapping us inside. Uh, the first one that I wanted to talk about is a novel called uh, Bone White by Ronald Malfi. Ronald Malfi is an author that you need to know. He is an absolute master of the genre. Um, so the synopsis, Paul Gallo saw the report on the news. A mass murder, murderer leading police to his victims' graves in remote Dredshan, Alaska. If you ever caught in Dredshan, Alaska, get out. Uh, it's not even a town, more like a bad memory of a town. The same bit of wilderness where his twin brother went missing a year ago. As the bodies are exhumed, Paul travels to Alaska to get closure and put his grief to rest. But the mystery is only beginning. What Paul finds are superstitious locals who talk of the devil stealing souls and a line of wooden crosses to keep what's in the woods from coming out. He finds no closure because no one can explain exactly what happened to Danny. And the more he searches for answers, the more he finds himself becoming part of the mystery. So yeah, Bone White by Ronald Malfi is the first book that I would recommend. A little drink of water there. Um, like I said, Ronald Malfi, you can almost do no wrong. Every book that this guy writes... He just has a way of, there's a part in this book where this guy's uh, detailing how he met this creepy guy out in the middle of nowhere uh, to this bartender. And the way that I was like into this book because of Ronald Malfi, I don't think I've ever like, you know, and this is a, this was a fairly recent read for me, like in the last couple of years, I don't think I've been into a book like that deep and that, like, oh my god, what's going to happen? Like, turning the pages as I was during that moment. So the next one's a short story called, uh, it's uh, from Tim Levin, author Tim Levin, and it's called White. Um, I think it's, I think there's like a hardcover edition from um, one of like the specialty kind of uh, horror lines, but mine was in a uh, paperback called Fears Untamed. And uh, the synopsis, first comes the ruin, society crumbles, then comes the snow. A handful of survivors flee to a Cornish mansion, seeking peace and safety. Instead, they find themselves under siege from the things now inhabiting the snowscape outside. Fleeting, terrifying things, seen from the corner of the eye. And as the danger and horror builds, they come to learn that there are also enemies within. Ooh. So, one of my favorite type of stories, like I told you um, during the Twilight Zone section earlier... Um, a bunch of people, a bunch of characters uh, trapped, you know, just trying to uh, survive. <clears throat> I came across a story. Um, I used to listen to the horror show with Brian Keene all the time. Brian Keene, one of my favorite, absolute favorite authors. And um, he had a, the co-host Dave, uh, Dave Thomas. This was hit one of his favorite uh, short stories of all time. So, of course, I uh, was able to seek this out on Amazon or I think I got it on Amazon and uh, buy it. And um, he wasn't lying because this story is super killer. Um, 
especially especially for this time of year. Um, there's just something, like I said, I've talked about it before on the show. Um, I think it might have been the Thing episode, but there's just something uh, very, very creepy about the snow. Uh, that first snow that falls and you're, uh, you step outside to go to work early or whatever, and it's just absolute quiet. And it's a blanket over everything. Um, there's just something very alien and very creepy to that. You feel like you're on another planet. You know, sometimes when that wind, uh, that that wind is going across that snow, and it makes that like weird noise, almost like a um, like you're blowing across the top of a Coke bottle. Um, very, 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 very strange. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that's only me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's me or uh, if anybody else thinks like you know the snowfall and you know um, maybe it's like the you're looking out there knowing that you wouldn't survive if you were caught out in you know in the elements. Um, but yeah, uh, winter months is a great time for horror. Um, so the next book is Stranded by Bracken McLeod, another another author that I came across uh, thanks to the horror show with Brian Keane. Um, so the synopsis badly battered by an apocalyptic storm the crew of the arctic promise find themselves in increasingly dire circumstances as they sail blindly into unfamiliar waters and an ominously thickening fog um, without functioning navigation or communication equipment they are lost and completely alone one by one the men fell prey to a mysterious illness Deccan Noah Cabot is the only person unaffected by the strange force plaguing the ship and her crew, which does little to ease their growing distrust of him. So that's all I'll read of the synopsis, but this book is, um, it's like I said, a lot of the horrors of the winter, right? It's you're trapped in a certain place. Uh, in this case, they're on a ship. Um, you can't get off. Uh, if you get off, you'll die because of how cold it is and the elements and stuff. Uh, so you're trapped with a bunch of people that you do not trust. The isolation, the horror of the winter has a lot to do with isolation and uh, you having no control over, uh, you know, just up and leaving. It's like a lot of these slashers. It's like, just get in your fucking car and leave, you know, like scream. It's like, hey, get off the fucking campus. You know, you don't have to stay and figure shit out. Um, but in, in a lot of these stories, you are trapped because of that you know, that, that outside element, which is the weather and, uh, stranded by, uh, Bracken McLeod does a great job of, uh, you know, uh, showing you that paranoia and putting you in the minds of these guys, uh, trapped out there into the, in this, uh, wilderness and, you know, on the ship together and in this fog. Um, so the last book recommendation is a short story collection put out by one of my favorite uh, authors of all time. And uh, no, not Stephen King. Uh, although he's great. You know, check out Misery and The Shining um, for winter horror. Um, this is Dead of Winter by uh, Keelan Patrick Burke. Uh, Keelan Patrick Burke is one of, the, one of the most amazing writers that I've come across. And uh, I believe it's thanks to, of course... Uh, the horror show with Brian Keene. If you haven't noticed, I really, really miss that show. And, um, I'm incredibly, hopefully I get one day, get the chance to interview Brian Keene. But, um, if I do, I'll tell him how incredibly thankful I am, not only because I found his books, but because, uh, like, because of his show, I was able to find so many great authors that I absolutely love. You know, Josh Mallerman, Christopher Golden, um, you know, uh, of course, I'm blanking on like every author. <laughs> uh, Keelan Patrick Burke, um, Adam Caesar, uh, it, the list just goes on and on. Nathan Nathan Belagrad, um, the the uh, what was I thinking about? Uh, it doesn't matter. The list goes on and on and on and on of the um, how much better I have, how much better of a complete horror fan I have become because I listen to Brian Keene's podcast. You know. Uh, discovering, you know, the, the different genres of horror, uh, uh, Robert McCammon, you know, uh, Brian Smith, uh, Edward Lee, um, Simon Clark, uh, Charles, uh, Charles Grant, Charles L. Grant, classic, classic horror authors, uh, of different styles, completely different styles. And, uh, Keelan Patrick Burke was one of those that I came across and, um, 
it's actually kind of cool that I'm talking about him on this episode with the Twilight Zone because a lot of his stories are of that similar kind of vein. You know, it's like he has a story called Blinky and the synopsis is like um, he goes into the room and like, uh, you know, he hears a baby cry and stuff. And but the only problem is that his baby is has been dead or, you know, for a year or whatever. And it's just like those little setups like he has this book called Sour Candy. And it's, it says on the back, like, um, I'm paraphrasing here. It says on the back, like, uh, you know, a man is standing with a boy and, um, you know, he's taking him to get candy and, uh, he's been with his boy for quite some time. And the only problem is the boy does not belong to the man and the, the man wants to get out kind of thing. So it's set up like, uh, okay, what is this kid? And that one's called sour candy. And it's like one of those kind of twisty kind of stories but uh, Dead of Winter is uh, a collection of winter set horror stories by Mr. Keelan Patrick Burke. Uh, another interview that I would love to get, and maybe I'll get this year, um, it says, Winter isn't coming. It's already here. And with it comes a horror no door can keep out. It's there in the yard, in the faces of the snowmen, a young boy doesn't remember building. It's in an oddly empty streets below Santa Claus' cl- crumbling sleigh. It's in the unnatural movement of the snow that suffocates a widower's town. And in the cold eyes of a lonely man's estranged children. Here there is no holiday cheer. Only spine-chilling fear in the dead of winter. Featuring seven stories, an introduction by the author, and a list of recommended books for the winter season. So yeah. This is like five or six bucks on Amazon. And it's like a it's a pretty short read, and he also recommends like other books for the winter season, which has been incredibly helpful for me as well. Cause this guy's very well read, you know, and a legit like horror master, which, <laughs> you know, your horror host, Travis goes by horror host, but he's not, you know, uh, he, he was by no means a master. Um, but yeah, dead of winter is so spooky. So fun. Uh, the snowman story in this is so fucking creepy about this kid seeing snowmen outside that he didn't build and he don't know who built and they're just gradually getting closer. Like I said, it's a very twilight zone kind of tells from the crypt type stories, uh, visitation rights, dark, dark shit, man, for the holiday season. I mean, you want a dark story, dude. Visitation rights is, is it, um, the movie section will be a little qu- quicker um misery the shining i already mentioned those those are like no-brainers uh the thing that's a no-brainer you know uh gotta happen which a lot of people i saw watching the thing during halloween and uh that always like uh that always i was like man i never get in the mood to watch the thing until there's snow on the ground or you know it's it's cold and i can kind of really get into that kind of feeling uh, but the thing 1982 john carpenter an absolute classic uh one of them that i wanted to throw in here as like a great great wintry horror picture is a uh, black sabbath directed by mario bava um uh, boris karloff hosts a, like a uh, three stories um concerning a, uh, a like a stalked call girl um a vampire kind of esque monster called the wonderlock or something like that and um uh this nurse that takes this job like late night and is taking care of this like super rich old lady and she has a ring. Um, and of course, you know, this nurse needs money. You know, I think it says like a bunch of stuff, how she, uh, she really needs the money and stuff and she loves this ring and, you know, maybe she can make a move, sell it or whatever, where she's going to keep the ring, whatever. And, um, after she takes the ring, the, the woman comes back for her ring. And the woman is dead, and it's so fucking creepy, man. Like, such a creepy-ass movie for this time of year. Um, the winter, like, the, Mario Bava just had a way of building that atmosphere. And I've talked about it a couple times, like, from uh, uh, Dario Gento, Suspiria. You know, a lot of these different filmmakers, um, they have a way, even, you know, John Carpenter, of course. They have a way of using uh, using the music, using the you know, the atmosphere and, um, the story about the Wonderlock, the vampire has some of the creepiest atmosphere and the, 
the the stuff in horror that I love, love, love so much with just like folklore, legend kind of stuff, and you're out in this castle or something, and there's like this this ancient kind of being on the loose, and you don't know who it is, and you know because of course this kind of a uh, vampire vampiric creature can appear as normal or whatever. Um, <laughs> just a creepy, creepy story, and a an excellent, excellent movie. Um, what are some of your, I've been going for 49 minutes here, just rambling, uh, Jorge's Trav rambles, uh, on this episode, but, uh, what are some of your favorite, like, uh, like kind of a wintry horror flicks? And, um, my brother and I, Fatal Follower, of course, um, did an episode like this last year of like some of our favorite snowy horrors. So that's why I didn't like very, like kind of uh, spend so much time talking about movies uh, set in the winter because one there's so many and two I wanted to mainly focus on the Twilight Zone and getting some uh, reading material because I know I like a lot of you guys that listen are also like really avid uh, horror readers and stuff horror and sci-fi readers Um, but yeah this was a fun episode for me Uh, I got to talk Twilight Zone I love uh, talking Twilight Zone but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, you can catch Horrifying My Friends on Instagram and Facebook at Horrifying My Friends and on Twitter at Horrifying MF. Uh, shoot me a line at Capped Creature on Twitter and at Travis Bar on Facebook um, and Instagram. Um, I'm mostly mostly active on Facebook and Twitter, but um, yeah, you can hit me anywhere. Uh, tell me your favorite Twilight Zone episodes and tell me your favorite snowy, snowy horror stories, novels, uh, movies. Um, I think that'll be it this week. Um, so enjoy your bonus episode. Enjoy the Twilight Zone Marathon. The creature and the theme queen will return soon. <laughs>